Welcome to WDFG, broadcasting Dear Final Girl, the advice and horror podcast where we dish on life and other scary movies. Every final girl has a story. So does her Jason, her Freddy, her Michael. So do we horror fans. This episode is part of our adjunct series, Origin Stories, where horror fans recount the horror movie memories that made them who they are today. Hello, Lori. Hello, Tamara. <laughs> Final girl, my, my, my dear, sweet, absent, mutually absent final girl during COVID, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I know. We are together again, apart again, uh, here. We... On... <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. We are, we're... Letting letting people know that we are still recording remotely. Yes. We are simply distant, but we are not emotionally distant. No, never, never. Either from one another, nor our audience. And or ourselves. You know, I think that uh, one of the really good things that we do is get in touch with our emotions. <laughs> Maybe that's the only good thing we're good at. <laughs> Although I did, I think one day earlier this week, I did break up with myself and make certain demands, but we're, we're reconciled now, so. That's smart. I think that's a, <laughs> that's a really great thing. Self, you know, until you start treating yourself better, we're not, we're, we're quits, self. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I need my jeans back, and also you have some, like, some of my phone chargers. So give me that. <laughs> yeah. The important things. Uh, <laughs> I could buy new books, but I I need my phone chargers back. Yes, many of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think that uh, I think that the audience needs a reminder. Of why we have been on hiatus, um, and and that that would that would be squarely in your court. Yeah. So um, I there's a new little final girl at our house. Um, baby Francis uh, was born at the end of June, and she's about three months old now. And dare I say, because I don't want to jinx it. But I've already said it a couple of times to other people. She's sleeping through the night, and so she's treating us very well. She knows that mom likes to do a million other things, and dad has got a lot of different hobbies. So uh, she's just like, all right, guys, I'm, I'm going to bed, which is great. That is very considerate of her. That is highly considerate of her. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know... Hopefully that's something that we can keep going with, both both being considerate and sleeping through the night. Um, and it's kind of something like I feel bad about telling people about because I mentioned it to somebody else who has a new baby around the same age as Francis. And he's like, uh, she's not sleeping through the night. I... I don't know. I don't really wake up. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my. <laughs> that's about right. Yeah, that's about right. Um, well, I think, you know, we all we all are 
experiencing what we're experiencing when we're experiencing it. So I'm I'm glad and happy for you and everybody in the family and for Francis because sleep is important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what's been going on with you in the hiatus? Oh my goodness! Well, lots of life changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a single woman, but ooh, not ooh. really. I'm I am divorced, but I am seeing someone and ooh. excited about that. And I'm in a new apartment, and Yay. um, I got a promotion, and I became a manager. Ooh, ooh. And I still don't have COVID, yay. <laughs> yeah. um, planning, uh, planning a safe and respectably sized Halloween party. Ooh. Sure. So looking forward to that. You and Max, of course, are invited uh, and totally understand if uh, current viral conditions do not make that possible. <laughs> yeah, I think the the worst part about that is that not the wearing the masks, not the, you know, socially distant gatherings or anything like that. The worst part is that we just can't find a babysitter. Oh, uh, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll just call it my parents. My parents could babysit. Mm, thinking about That'd that. Good. Bring them bring into town. Bring them into town. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing, you know, I always want, always want to shout out the, you know, Anytime Joe Bob is back and doing something. Oh, yeah. Season two of The Last Drive-In did premiere this spring. And then there's already been um, a special, The Summer Sleepover. And then they've got something planned for Halloween as well. So a lot of the mutant fam, horror fam uh, on social media are really excited. And and me too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's a lot of stuff going on uh on social media lately um which actually is a great segue because this is a origin story episode and we will be hearing from at lando horror today lando underscore horror um with his origin story today yeah lando is a really good friend of mine we met on twitter just just have a really nice connection and nice friendship i mean just like everything else you're so busy so we're you know it's not as in touch as as we were before but um his origin story was definitely he may have been one of the first people that i asked really actually and so i was really excited that he that he wanted to do this um, for Dear Final Girl, and I, I definitely learned things about about his origins that I did not know before and were really cool. So yeah. looking forward to letting everybody hear that, and then everybody can hear us talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, something that you just said, like, really struck me that uh, we've all been so busy. It's like, what have we been doing? We've all been stuck in our houses, but we are so busy that we yep. can't get anything done. Um. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I will say that, and I, a lot of people who I work with, I've heard the same thing. So I, I work 
I work in corporate America. I work for a very large corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have, it's all, all about the team you're on, right? So I have a ton of flexibility in my team, a ton of flexibility with my boss. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an extremely busy season for us and everybody on the team. But I'm just hearing so many people talk about how working from home has got everybody thinking differently about how they plan their day and that people people are like, hey, I can actually plan my day. Like I can actually, I mean, yes, there's certain things you can't plan around, but, um, you know, taking a break in the afternoon and going for a walk you know, or walking away for a while and coming back and almost like doing part one of your day and part two, two, you know. (laughs) Part duh. Part duh. Sometimes part do. It feels like do sometimes. Yeah, (laughs) part do-do of your day. (laughs) Come here for the horror stories. Stay for the poop jokes. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That needs more. But I think a lot of people are going, gee, I didn't think there were other options. And I thought I, I I had convinced myself that I actually preferred to be chained to my desk for nine hours straight without lunch or pee breaks. (laughs) I don't. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, it's a good deal. Yeah. I hear you. Oh, gosh. I could talk about working from home for the full hour, but let's, uh, Maybe let's go ahead and get into this origin story from uh, from Lando, also on Twitter at Lando underscore horror. Sounds great. When Laura first asked me to do this, I wasn't sure how to go about explaining the baby steps that led to where I am today. But when I actually stopped to think, it didn't take long to recall how the journey began. Folks of a certain age understand compulsion better than anyone, and I'm not talking about overindulging in food or alcohol or even hard barking. No, this is far more specific, an absolutely animalistic compulsion to see a film based entirely on its video store cover art, if you know what I mean, and if you grew up in the 80s, I think you do. As a lad, I just had to know what treasures lay beneath the fascinating covers of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the town that dreaded sundown as well as a film that, for whatever reason, always caught my eye, but my family had never rented. Uh, For years as a child, I spent weekends at my grandparents' house. It was in the country. I could grab my baseball glove and tennis ball and toss it against the house steps and visualize owning my friends the next time we squared off. It never worked, by the way. And my grandpa would always let me drive the John Deere riding mower while their dog, Pete, followed me around the expanse of the yard. It was comforting to be there with them and the hound, just a little slice of heaven. Neither of my grandparents were movie buffs, but my grandma always made a point to grab a bottle of Pepsi and glass of ice during the 10 o'clock news so she could get caffeinated and stay up with me. Like clockwork, my grandpa would turn in right after that broadcast, then she and I would settle in to watch whatever B-movie fair the local affiliate had secured for that week. The only one I remember, however, was the one repped by the cover art that had caught my eye but eluded my view. It's a lot. I remember leaning in as the screen transitioned from the WKBT nightly news to a quick preview for Larry Cohen's weird tale of the killer baby. Thoughts of that cover art's cradle with a clock peeking out played through my mind as I watched in riveted terror. There was an odd comfort in that fear because I knew that my grandmother was right there beside me and grandpa was sleeping in the next room. So though frightened, I was safe and that sense of security was unmistakable. 
In that moment, I knew that a lifelong devotion to horror was set into motion, which led to The Shining, which simply cemented things. I was a horror guy. As so many fright flicks do, it involved a babysitter. While I remember my mother heading out for the night on a few occasions, prefaced by trips to the store to secure New York seltzer water and Jiffy Pop for Friday the 13th marathons on USA Up all night, it was my first day at the Overlook Hotel that left a deeper impression. I guess you could say I've always been here. The night that stands out to me was around 11 o'clock or midnight, snacks consumed, laying on the couch with a blanket, and The Shining came on. That death procession of a theme as the opening credits scrawled, the unsettling nature of isolation and Jack's slow descent into madness had me frozen. But the memory that has remained all these years later was after the babysitter had dozed off and, as, and I was on the sofa feeling alone, even though she was just feet away, as Torrance hobbled after his boy in the snow. It was winter in Minnesota at that time, and I wasn't much older than Danny was in the movie, so it wasn't hard to visualize being in that situation myself. But more than that, uh, the front door, which is about 10 feet to my right, and the stairs leading up to my bedroom stood just in front of it. Um, my, mind kept, my eyes kept darting from the screen to the door, waiting for it to burst open with an axe-wielding madman. To say my heart was in overdrive would be an understatement. That was compounded by the fact that those wooden stairs didn't require a person climbing them to creak. They managed that all on their own. So with every groan and crack, my tiny muscles would seize up, thinking that maybe that bad man was already in the house and on his way to settle things. For days after that, lying in bed in the dark, the song the stairs played served as a reminder of the terror, but more than that, it hinted that I liked the feeling. Side note, also why I sleep with a fan on. Uh, my thirst for horror only grew more intense, and not long after, I started downing midnight soirees with a cowboy hat-wearing, beer-guzzling smartass on the movie channel. Uh, Drive-in theater turned to monster vision, and when I found myself working at a television station years later, I asked the high sheriffs if I could resurrect their collection of public domain films into a B-movie homage to Joe Bob Briggs. They said yes, and for three years, I hosted my own late-night horror movie program, where I got to interview some of the folks I grew up equally frightened and fond of. Kane Hodder, Ken Foray. As Briggs is apt to say, movies are intended to be enjoyed with an audience, a communal experience, a stance proven time and again through the connectivity of the movie channel and TNT, and to a much smaller extent, my show. Uh, the fact that two of the people I worked with at the TV studio had previously labored at another, WKBT, where I first laid eyes on a Larry Cohen movie, brought it all full circle. When Joe Bob dropped, you can be half drunk, just woke up, and turn on the TV, and if it's the Larry Cohen movie, you instantly know it. The characters talk in this rhythm. It's just unmistakable. Uh, it was during our last drive-in double feature. Uh, I've never related to anything more strongly in my life. The seeds planted in childhood only grow larger and stronger as you go through life, but like a first kiss, those incredible initial reactions are something you never forget and never stop chasing. Okay, so that was uh, Lando uh, at Lando underscore horror on Twitter. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> he, he is a storyteller, isn't he? He definitely is. There are just like so many goodies in there. It's hard to know. Hard to know where to start. I mean, when I listened to this the first time and he said the word compulsion. Uh-huh. 
you know, and that being driven by those early VHS covers in the 80s. And then even if you came up more in the 90s, the DVD covers. And then, of course, that's how they get you to spend tons of money now are all these reissues and the <laughs> steel case, the steel case, which is bankrupting many a horror fan right now. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what is the steel case? Just like the... Well, the, the... It basically comes in like a kind of a thin metal, almost like a little thin metal box. <laughs> And, you know, more bonus features, you know, that they drug up from God knows where than you can yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know what? It's it's probably just the production companies paying for the storage space that they've held all of the, like, the stuff that hit the cutting room floor in 1986. You know, now they're like, uh, how are we going to monetize this? Oh, these people love this stuff. He's like, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Can't get enough. I, I saw actually on Amazon the other day, I, I rewatched The Strangers, which always creeps me the hell out. That movie scares the hell out of me. And there was like the unrated version, and it's like, oh, it's three minutes longer. Three minutes is 180 seconds. I mean, you know. That's not very it's long. Like, what's that? That's not very long, but was it was it a scary three minutes? I mean, I honestly, I don't even remember. I mean, it was like maybe there was like a little extra gore or something. I honestly can't even, <laughs> honestly can't even remember. That's, that's how big of a deal it was. But, I mean, literally when he said the word compulsion, mm-hmm. I had a physical response in, in my body because I'm like, that is exactly what it is. And he laid out so well, you know, for him, all of the steps that were, were part of building that compulsion. And even though the details are different in each origin story, the particulars, there's so much that's the same about how you get to this place where you're just like, where he said, like, that's it, I'm a horror guy. Yep. I guess guess you can say I've always been here. That was Uh, awesome. Perfect. And then, (laughs) uh, so as another Stephen King reference, he said you, my heart was in overdrive and I wrote down maximum overdrive. (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah you know uh i was it did joe bob do it's alive recently like in the last in season two was that one of the i should I, i am embarrassed that i can't remember i mean he has done and he has done several larry cohen films mm-hmm um, he did the stuff. Um, he did uh, *Cue the Winged Serpent*, and I I remember that I have had watched *It's Alive* fairly recently. I just can't remember if it was through the last drive-in. Um, you're not able to get away from the maternal horror that I was threatening you with after you had your baby. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, the, the reason that I asked was because. It may have been on um, one of the other, like, uh, Mutant Fam, uh, like, tweet-alongs 
that somebody was watching It's Alive. And I love it where those tweet-alongs, uh, people just, like, spam Twitter with, like, gross, gory, or even, like, terrifying gifts and images from the movies. Like, on the one hand, I love it. And on the other hand, I'm like, oh, my God, where did that come from? <laughs> you know, you're just scrolling <laughs> and it pops out at you. But I, while I was pregnant, there were a lot of images from It's Alive. And I was like, <laughs> sorry, I can't look at it. <laughs> I'm just going to scroll past. Yeah, and I love it's the best tagline ever. It's like there's something wrong with the Davis baby. It's alive. <laughs> and I actually have a memory of it. I have a couple of memories of my mother and I watching together. It, it seemed like it wasn't anything planned. It wasn't like something that we did on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. But it's alive was one of the movies. And I can't even remember the scene, but it just must have been really funny or goofy or outrageous because I remember us just looking at each other at the same time and kind of chuckling like this movie is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was a it was a really nice moment. Aww. Yeah. Uh, I think that that um, plus what Lando said about how his grandparents' house felt like this idyllic and kind of, and really safe place yes. for him. And I think that that speaks to sort of the, a larger theme that we see in a lot of these stories, which is that um, if you can safely play with danger in, in, a, in an environment that you know, at, at least consciously know, you may, minus the singing stairs, right, that creak on their own, which is terrifying. Um, <laughs> right. But, you know, if you can start watching these movies with your mom or an older sister or somebody that you trust, um, and then you can start watching them on your own because then they still feel safe. You know, you still have that person, you have that memory of being safely sort of cocooned on the couch or, yeah. uh, and, you know, you can start uh, associating even the scary movies and the fear with a feeling of safety. And I think that that's maybe something that kind of ties a lot of these together is that um, uh, fear within a safe environment. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I had the same thought. There is, and there's so many of these like really warm and special memories that are associated with the watching of these films like you know, the baseball, you know, Lando's, Lando, the baseball glove and his grandpa going to bed after the news and his grandma staying up with the, the you know, with the cold Pepsi. Uh -huh. And so part of the security comes from the environment. It can come. Not everybody has this kind of experience, but we have seen it a lot. Mm -hmm. Part, you know, the association of, of warmth and security from other memories and experiences paired up with the horror 
And then the horror itself becomes its own kind of security blanket. This mm-hmm. very, very odd security blanket. Like this weekend, this past weekend, I am I, I have the most amazing apartment ever, but I do not have a washer and dryer. Ugh. And so I am plunged back into the laundromat experience, which is really not all that fun. But there's a great um, one right down the road. Well, that one is, I can't wait till that one reopens because they gutted the place oh. and they're going to have all new equipment. But right now it's close. So we went to one on Charlotte mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, and I mean, it was just stressful. It was just a stressful experience. And John, my boyfriend, kept, like, queuing up famous horror movie themes, and he would pull it up on his phone, and he would push the phone toward me, and I'd be like, Halloween, Friday the 13th, you know, Tubular Bells, Exorcist, like, The Omen, like, (laughs) Rosemary's Baby. I was just, he was setting them up, and I was knocking them down, and I was like, this person knows what makes me feel good. (laughs) Right. really appreciate that oh <laughs> yeah and and is willing to like i'm sorry Lori. i one of the things that i kind of hate about halloween if there's anything to hate about halloween it's the prevalence of the halloween music <laughs> like the halloween theme just like in random places. Like you'll go into the party store and they're playing the Halloween theme and I'm like, (laughs) who's behind me, you know? And, you know, the grocery store had, (laughs) you're like, this is not appropriate. (laughs) You push the, the little, it's an electronic toy and, you know, the button is exposed so you can push it and then all of a sudden, yeah, you're like, plunged like deep into the world of John Carpenter's nightmare (laughs) while you're just thinking about trying to get some milk and yeah can we (laughs) exactly there's different kinds of comfort and the the comfort you need in a grocery store is not necessarily the same one as watching a horror movie True, and the, oh, this is so funny, and I would not be surprised if I had not told this on one of these episodes before, but one of my most terrifying experiences ever, and I want to give a shout out to my friend Nick, who we met in college, we've been friends for like 28 years, we do an annual horror fest every year, years ago, I was staying at his apartment, I was sleeping on the couch, which is where the TV was, uh-huh. And he had gotten up before me. I'm a, very, I'm a deep sleeper, so I didn't hear any of this. He'd gotten up before me. Uh, he had put the, probably at that point, it might have been the VHS, but maybe it was the DVD of Halloween in the player and queued up the theme. I did not know it was possible for a person to go from a lying down position to bolt upright in one move, but that's what I did because it scared the holy crap out of me. Did he turn the volume way up? Like, so it startled you out of sleep? Oh no. Yes, he startled me out of sleep with the Halloween theme, but that's okay because several years later, when he was living in a different apartment, 
when he came out of the bathroom, I like jumped out at him with a butcher knife. So I got Jesus. Go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such good, warm, friendly memories. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, <laughs> you guys are such <laughs> fun friends. <laughs> well, I mean. Speaking of jumping out of the bushes, did you did you say that? Um, that specific part in The Shining that Lando talked about, the snow. Now, in, in the uh, movie, it never felt super creepy to me. But in the book when they're out in the maze and the topiaries in in the book the topiaries actually move yes i remember and that that was the scariest part of that whole book to me and what i um but i could imagine being in minnesota with the you know, sub-freezing temperatures and the snow drifts and then having stairs that creak on their own. Like, uh, you guys need to sprinkle some talcum powder in there. Like, just <laughs> something's got to, something's got to change because that would not fly with me. I, ugh, yeah. no. Sometimes the oh, the environment can accentuate so much. It was so cool that he had that like that connection of like these Minnesota winters with the shining, and it reminds me of like years ago in college, I was reading um, Gerald's Game by Stephen King, mm -hmm. and the guy that I was dating at the time, we were staying in his aunt and uncle's cabin, like in the middle of the woods in Wisconsin. And then, like, you know, in the middle of the night, we were in this canoe out on this lake. And I had just been reading the part in the novel where, like, she's the, the main character. Um, I think her name is Jessie. She, she, like, she and her husband have, like, like had the sex play. Mm -hmm. And he handcuffed her, and then he proceeds to, like, have a heart attack and die. So she's trapped in this cabin, handcuffed to the bed at the end of the season when everybody else is gone. And, you know, the shadows are, are coming out of the walls and things are starting to move. And it's, is this real? Is it not real? Like dark forces, mm -hmm. whether, they are, whether they are of her own mind or real, are circling. And I just remember being in that canoe in the middle of the lake. And you I mean, I, I definitely thought of Jason. I mean, how could you not? Right. really thinking about Gerald's game and just all of this darkness around me and how alive it felt. And it was a really strong memory. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, gosh, I actually had, um, <laughs> a moment in the last couple of weeks. Cause you know, I get up in the middle of the night to feed the baby. Cause you know, she's, she's sleeping through the night now, but that's a pretty recent development. And, um, so, there were times when I was getting up at 3.30 in the morning, which some people say is around the witching hour. I don't, you know, if you believe in such things, I'm not going to say either way because to acknowledge it would scare me more. Uh, but I was reading, <laughs> I was reading a 
horror book called that I just found like on my library app on my phone. Um, it's called The Return. And I don't know who the author is off the top of my head, but it was pretty good. It was an, it was an interesting metaphor for grief um, mm. amongst other, th- uh, also a, just a terrifying story. And there was a point where, you know, sort of the creature of the story made an appearance. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to read this tonight at three o'clock in the morning. Like it's already scared me enough when it was daytime. It was like, uh, yep. Tonight will be a Twitter night. Tonight we'll, you know, maybe I'll look <laughs> well, at Instagram. Too. That can be scary too. <laughs> right. Listen. <They're> like terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. Those, those monsters don't lurk in the dark. And, yeah, they are they are in up in your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think that what really oh we didn't even talk about how Lando himself was a late night horror host. That I could not believe. Like I I that that had never come up, and in our conversations, my conversations, and I didn't remember that we ever talked about that. And I'm going, what? (laughs) Oh my gosh, what an amazing thing that he did. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, I saw Joe Bob and then uh, talking to his boss and being like, hey, you know, hook me up. And like, Lando, I want to know, are there tapes out there? You know, is... If it was it community access or just a you know local program, maybe they've got them digitized in the archives. That would be amazing, and I could definitely see some watch parties forming around. Yeah, forming around that. That I mean, just that was so amazing. And I think the other thing that you know it speaks a lot to. You know, he saw Joe Bob and also the USA up all night. Uh-huh. And it's like, hey, I like that. I want to do that. And then you have these people in your life when you go to them and say, I would I, w- I would like to do this. Mm-hmm. And they say, yes. <laughs> yeah. They, they say yes. Yeah. And um, I think there's a really... I think there's a really powerful message in that. I mean, as you, as everyone knows, this is an advice and horror podcast, <laughs> so do you get into self-help territory. Yeah. Um, but I think that human beings in general do not realize the extent to which we can create our lives and not wait until someone gives us what we want, but decide what we want and go for it and and sometimes get it. Yeah. It happens more often. I think people don't have a comfort level with it. You know, we have this sort of training of like, well, you just get on this path and you do this and mm-hmm. good things come to those who wait and all that kind of stuff, you know, and I think I think asking knowing what you want and asking for it 
is is really powerful. It's yeah. Really powerful. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of which, I meant to mention this in our little uh, pre-show thing, but in addition to um, birthing a child and keeping her alive for three months, um, I kind of started getting back into my own personal writing. And so I started a Substack. I don't know if you, uh, Substack is like a, it's like a blog, like Medium but then you uh people that subscribe to your blog automatically sign up for basically a newsletter so you get a uh, an email of every post that the writer makes um so i'll share that on our um on our twitter account um so that you can subscribe if you want to hear me or to read about me uh writing about mom stuff mostly right now um is mom stuff but also just life and whatever um but in in that same vein of um sort of self-help lando talked about the connectedness that he gets through watching movies you know there's the connectedness that he talked about with his grandmother but also you know watching movies with other people, watching movies in the theater, watching movies in, um, or even now, like during the pandemic, on Twitter with other people. Um, and I just was reading something. It was actually, it's kind of a self-help book. It, the book is called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. And this is by Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski. Um, and it's a book written primarily towards women. Um, but one of the things that they mentioned in the book that I was just reading about today was how humans as social animals tend to calm ourselves down or we tend to, um, not only calm ourselves, but we also build connections with other people through shared experiences. So if you like tap along to music in time with somebody else, you have greater feelings of connectedness with that person. This is why people in theaters clap at the end of the movie <laughs> you know Wait, i love that tradition you know it's like a fading it's a fading tradition uh-huh um but i do find it still happens at the smaller independent theaters because it's just it's it's a smaller group everyone feels closer and there is still consistent clapping at the end of at the end of films instead of people just standing up and filing out yeah. you know and i wonder if that has something to do with like i mean now the thought of it is kind of anxiety inducing but the the fact that we kind of breathe the same air so we feel those same like uh hormones pheromones happening so everybody gets excited at the same time and you sort of release some adrenaline and everybody gets scared at the same time so you release a little bit of re adrenaline or you know some 
everybody gets happy at the same time. So you're starting to feel that dopamine running through. And so, or maybe it's just, you know, energy fields. (laughs) It's all of that. It's all of that. I mean, whether it's chemical, emotional, energetic, I think it's energetic. I think it's all those things. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know, there can be a particular, um, just kind of nice experience, especially if you're, if you're at the movies with somebody and sometimes to just, I, I, cue the sappy violin music here, what I'm about to say, but, you know, to just look over at someone, you know, and you see the, the light of the film, you know, projected on their face and, you're you're with them in the dark but also in the light and you're not talking but you're together and it's mm-hmm. it's really a cool thing yeah that shared experience and you know it's it's uh i think it's something that the mutant fam has kind of tapped into where you can be at home and you can share this experience with other people um but also you know, God, I miss having that shared theater experience. And I wonder if that isn't why, well, other than it being a multi-billion dollar industry, (laughs) uh, you know, the movie business wasn't, was so, was pressuring so highly to get back into the game, like let us open, you know? And people were really supportive of it. I don't, I don't know that I would go into a theater right now, but um, I do miss that. I miss it a lot. Yeah, I think the only the only theater that I feel comfortable going into now is the local, locally here in in Nashville, um, Full Moon Cineplex. Hmm. it was, which I've talked about many times before, but it was, it was one of those old, like Carmike neighborhood theaters mm-hmm. that probably at one point had, to, would feature two movies or maybe four. And um, Ben and Stacy Dixon, who own it and have this sort of, this sort of empire with the, <laughs> this local, local, uh, local empire with the theater and then they also do um, an annual horror festival they have an annual haunted house and there's also a tattoo parlor there so you can get all of your needs Ooh, yeah it's a full <laughs> service yes and i wonder um you know i just had a thought like oh yeah drive-ins came back this summer yeah in a big way drive-in strip clubs have you seen these (laughs) i think i saw that really early on really early on yep uh the only thing that i kept thinking about those drive-in strip clubs is like uh, those poor dancers that have to be there in, in breathing that exhaust all day long oh gosh yeah and with the mask on yeah poor poor ladies um yeah yeah full moon full moon is like the only the only theater that i feel comfortable going to it's already small and here in nashville um that kind of business is still operating at 50 percent capacity so oh okay 
you know, it's it's a smaller group and they have things spaced out. Um, nice. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a good idea. And do they play horror? Oh yeah, like that's their main that that retro horror is nice. the main the main the main thing on the bill. Um, earlier when they first opened up, they were doing some of these kind of iconic. 80s like RoboCop and hmm. uh, Terminator, you know, not horror, but, but right. just you know, like 80s action adventure stuff like that. But they are they are rolling out the Halloween season lineup, and it just makes me uh, at least 50% happier than I was before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> make plans for that. Mm-hmm. Well, Lori, this has been fantastic. Yes, I'm so glad we're back, and I hope that we can reinvigorate our loyal uh, loyal audience. Yeah. Um, really, really, it was really nice to come back with a Horgan story. It was really nice to come back with Lando's story. Yeah. And, you know, one of, one of the things he said was, you know, it's like horror, it's like, it's like, it's like your first kiss. You never forget it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Of all the really nice things in this. Also, uh, just sort of a shout-out to Wes Craven. He said, you know, the babysitter and the Jiffy Pop. And I was like, oh, it's just like Scream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yep. <laughs> Uh, well, it's good to be back, my friend. Yes. We'll be and... uh, out with a new show here soon uh, based on an actual movie. I think, I don't know that we talked about this in, beforehand, but we um, we were discussing between ourselves um, changing the format a little bit and just kind of going with the movie and no letter right it depends like as we continue to get letters we definitely want to feature them mm -hmm. and when you know when we when we don't have that kind of an input you know stick with the stick with the horror and advice um podcast format definitely do our you know we're, we're the dear abby's the <laughs> oprah's of horror, if you will, and keep that train rolling. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. So if you have letters, questions, need advice, um, hit us up at dearfinalgirl at gmail.com or yep. at finaldear on Twitter. That's right. You can DM us. Mm -hmm. And great to be back. Hope you guys enjoy this, this first episode back. And um, stay spooky. Yeah. Love you all. Love you. Bye. Bye, final girls, final boys, and final non-binary. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's in our life's blood. <laughs> yeah. Well, goodness. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Tune in next time for another origin story from your horror community. Till next time, this is Dear Final Girl. Remember, stay alive out there.